you for taking time to listen to this sermon podcast from First United Methodist Church and of our campus in Lexington, Kentucky. It is our prayer that as you listen today, you will be encouraged, challenged, and equipped to be all God has for you. We invite you to join us for worship on Sunday mornings at 11 o'clock a.m. at our Todd's Road campus near the Hamburg area of Lexington. Harper, thank you for picking up the cards. That was a, a spur of the moment text message to Susan going, can you ask Harper to pick the cards? Because we had not asked anybody to. Uh, Marilyn, can you leave people communion when it's time to do that? Because we have not asked anybody to do that either. Um, we, we've forgotten this because we have folks who normally just take care of the stuff of the church. Um, and two of them have had uh, some, some family crisis this week. Uh, Holly Mattingly and her husband Bill have been in Cincinnati. Uh, Bill's father Steele passed away yesterday after kind of um, a pretty rapid decline. And Brad Rudolph, who you just see standing by the back all the time uh, and doing all the things that we don't uh, even know what he's doing, his mother had a stroke earlier this week and has been kind of uh, struggling. Her name is Anne, and uh, I'd invite you to pray for them, and I'd invite you to pray for so many other things. Um, in my note this week, uh, in the email and in your bulletin, I invited you into uh, to signing up for our prayer list. You know, Darren's talking about ways we can show love to each other that uh, maybe don't look like what we quite think about. Praying for one another uh, can be an incredibly important way to show love for each other. Um, and I've been walking around the room this morning. I've been looking at our texts that have come through for prayers. And uh, y'all ask me how I'm doing. I'm like, I am great. Parker started kindergarten. This world is wonderful. Things are incredible. And then I ask you how you're doing. And so many of you have had things uh, that aren't wonderful. Um, we think about Brad's family and Bill's family. We think about uh, the granddaughter who's going through uh, so many things. The family who is... Uh, selling the family home uh, that has been so special. We think about uh, the friends who are waiting for open heart surgery and the siblings uh, who need to reconcile. Um, One of the greatest ways we can show each other that we love each other is to pray. And that can be signing up for our prayer list. Each week you'll get a whole smattering of things to pray for. It can be uh, when somebody says, hey, will you pray for X, Y, or Z? Actually stopping and praying right then. It can be putting it on your list so that uh, you follow up on that. Um, It is uh, an important part of who we are as the church. I love that we have a group of faithful folks that uh, you would never know who they are, uh, who show up every week and go back to our prayer chapel uh, and are there with our prayer list and any cards that Harper might pick up when we ask Harper to pick them up, uh, take them back there, and they are now interceding on your behalf uh, even as we continue to worship. There are multitudes of ways we can love each other, but I think that's a beautiful uh, thing that any of us can do, right? Some of us uh, can't get out in the middle of the day to go tutoring. Uh, Not everybody can go do a Habitat house. Um, But whether you are uh, young or uh, advanced in your journey, uh, you can go before the throne of grace lifting up one another. Um, I've been thinking a lot about how we love one another this week. We've had this Romans passage that uh, we're, we're kind of hitting the tail end of Romans. We're getting to the, uh, the so what part. This is basically a, a long sermon that Paul has been preaching through text. Uh, imagine Phoebe has taken this, uh, this 
Paul letter. She's learned it, and she's now gone to Rome, and she's doing this in one sitting. Y'all got like 14 weeks with me in Romans. They get one day with Phoebe, and she is preaching on along, and she's preaching on along, and she's talking uh, to these weak Jewish Christians who are just back into Rome, and these strong Gentile Christians who think they are all that. Uh, she has been laying the groundwork that actually, in Christ, we have all fallen short, but thanks be to God, regardless of what you have done, he has died for you. She's uh, been getting animated and worked her way until uh, we get to last week's text. And of course, she says it in Greek, but we read it from the message that says, take your everyday, ordinary, eating, sleeping, drinking, walking around life and place them as an offering before the Lord. And then we stopped last week. Um, Phoebe continues and shows what it is like to live out placing your everyday, ordinary, eating, drinking, sleeping life before the Lord. And it's loving in ways that are unexpected. You know, we've been talking this whole time about how August, or, uh, Paul, not Augustine, we'll get there in just a second. Paul is talking to Jewish Christians and Gentile Christians, and we have to understand that they come from two different worldviews, right? Though they're uh, all living in Greco-Roman society, uh, the, the Jews have a tradition, and maybe at the core of those traditions is this idea of faith and hope and love. And the, the Greco-Roman citizens have a philosophical uh, system of what is good, and it's, it's got cardinal virtues of temperance, prudence, mm -hmm. temperance, prudence, fortitude, and justice as these uh, ways of being virtuous people. And Paul brings all these together in this passage and is showing uh, that the way you love each other is by growing in virtue. Uh, Paul often is comfortable writing about vice, right? We see Paul's vice lists all the time. You're angry, you're grumpy, you have too much of the wrong kind of this, you do too much of that, you drink too much of this or whatever. But uh, Paul will equally flip the coin and talk to you about virtue because we know that we can't flee from vice without growing in virtue, that we can't will ourselves to good behavior, that instead our heart is transformed and we uh, live out of that transformation, right? Amen, is that a yes? Can I get a hand clap for Jesus? Right, that's, yes. Um, he invites them to virtue. He invites them to let God transform their heart and then to live in ways that look and sound differently than they would have thought. And to love in ways that look and sound differently than they thought. He goes to a list of things that just make no sense at all. And it, uh, it makes no sense until you think about the gospel lesson for today. Uh, the disciples have a plan. Somehow we're going to be like David and we're going to overthrow Rome. And even at this last minute, Jesus is having explained to them, no, that's not actually how this is going to happen. I'm going to go die. And then do you want to know what it looks like for you, disciples? You need to pick up a cross and die to yourself. This is like the wah-wah of this message from Jesus, Right? generations of waiting for the new David to come and defeat the empire and for them to reign. And instead, Jesus says, no, you have to drag a cross just like I'm getting ready to do. And can you imagine hearing that and then watching Jesus bloodied and bruised, dragging a cross up the hill to the point where he can't do it? And then this is the word he left you as you now take up your cross, die to self, and follow me. So it should be no uh, surprise when Paul says, like, love those who hate you. Feed those you can't stand. Cry with those who are crying. Paul is drawing on the whole tradition of virtue, both uh, the uh, cardinal virtues of Greco-Roman tradition and the theological virtues of the Ju uh, Judeo-Christian tradition, and brings them together and, and finds them all united in this grand idea of love, right? Because we have faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is 
love. That was a little weak for faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is? Love. Okay. Augustine, uh, later on writing on how the church should live, interprets all the virtues through the lens of love. And he says, you know, you all have been talking about these Greco-Roman cardinal virtues. Let me tell you how they fit with the gospel. Gabe, can we get this on the screen? Uh, He writes, for these four virtues, and then he pauses because we preachers do that, and he says, would that they felt their influence in their minds as they have their names in their mouths. Y'all get this, right? He is saying, it's one thing to talk about virtue. It's another thing to have your heart and mind transformed to be virtuous. Uh, I should have no hesitation in defining them. Because let's be honest, we just struggled to uh, define temperance and fortitude and uh, prudence maybe precisely, right? But he does this uh, as a good Christian preacher uh, and, and says this, I should have no hesitation defining them that temperance is love giving itself entirely to that which is loved. How often have we given ourselves to things uh, that aren't the loved, the, the object of love? Fortitude is love readily bearing all things for the sake of the loved object. I mean, there's not much more bearing than cross-bearing, is there? It's love uh, in the midst of the hard. It's loving that person that's really hard to love. That person that first maybe you even have to learn to not hate, but it's loving uh, out of love. Justice is love serving only the loved object and therefore ruling rightly. Uh, We can talk about justice pretty uh, often, right? And how um, true justice is rooted in God's love and God's justice. And then finally he says, uh, prudence is love distinguishing with sagacity, which is like wisdom, uh, between what hinders it and what helps it. Have you thought about what helps you love well? Have you thought about what harms you from loving well? What in our lives build us up in love and what tear us down? What people uh, make it so that we are actually uh, living uh, lives filled with anger or wrath instead of love? How are we relating uh, to people that or situations that are difficult and that, uh, um, that maybe we need to live into. And Paul uh, is right there with Augustine. He invites us now, uh, this uh, early church in Rome, coming right out of a time of persecution, full of frustration with each other, to love even when you don't know what it sounds like or looks like, to do the hard things, to examine their everyday, ordinary eating, drinking lives, and do something different because God is transforming your heart. Do you want to grow in virtue? There are not many heads nodding. Do you want to grow in virtue? Does it feel difficult? Does it feel uh, intimidating? Does it feel like you're going to have to give some things up? Does it feel like some relationships might need to change? Yeah, feels that way to me. I had lunch with a really good friend this week, and he's uh, um, pushing me on this language of Christian perfection. Um, And it's had me thinking so deeply about what it is Uh, that it means for us to be made perfect. 
And, you know, in our tradition, we talk about being uh, completely sanctified, being made holy, being perfect in love, that we love God more fully and love our neighbor more fully, that uh, we no longer willfully sin out of uh, anything else, but that love is overflowing in us. And I've been thinking about um, how easy it is to let vice slip right in the middle. This friend asked me about pride, and I've been thinking a lot about uh, uh, the insidious nature of vanity. Vainglory is one of the uh, seven deadly sins. It's the capital vice, and uh, maybe it's the one that we all fall prey to. I think my friend helped me rightfully think that what we need is community to help us think about our growth in virtue, our growth in love, our growth in holiness, our movement towards perfection. If, if I am on my own sitting at home going, hot dog, I have had all that sanctifying grace and I am good to go. Whew. It's all virtue, no vice in my life. Maybe some vainglory has slipped in. And so a friend helpfully invited me back into the nature of what it means for us to be a community. And Paul is doing the exact same thing to the church here. (sighs) Lean into love together, even when it's hard. Lean into love and be formed together in community. Lean into love when it means doing the thing that you don't want to do. Uh, And then uh, will your everyday, ordinary, eating, sleeping, drinking, walking around lives be received as an offering before God. Amen? Let's pray. It seems so simple, God, to uh, take up our cross, uh, to deny ourselves and to follow you, and yet if we look at our everyday, ordinary lives, so often uh, we fail to do so. Instead of uh, growing in love, uh, we grow in love of ourselves. Instead of uh, virtue taking hold, uh, a new vice creeps in. Instead of giving, we take. Instead of running in, we flee. And so, Lord, would you pour out your spirit in uh, mighty and powerful ways upon us that your sanctifying grace might uh, be at work in us, transforming our hearts, that we might be a virtuous people, that love might be our reigning attribute, that uh, hope and faith and temperance and prudence and justice and forbearance uh, might be who we are. Lord, would you receive our lives as an offering before you? Not just the high moments of worship where we come before your throne, uh, but those moments in our everyday, ordinary lives, Lord. Lord, fill us with your grace and surround us with uh, your love and draw us near to one another, uh, that as we grow in virtue, we might be for each other uh, iron sharpening iron and fire refining. Lord, you know the prayers that are on our hearts, those we've named out loud today and those we haven't. Lord, may we love in ways that are unexpected. Draw near to those who are suffering and struggling, Lord, who are going through things or have gone through things, and show us what it means to be a community of love and forgiveness. We love you and praise you in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, and by the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.